Well, well, well. Happy Saturday, everybody. How's everybody doing? Do we have anything to talk about about the Mets today? Has anything been happening, say, in the last 24 hours? Oh, yeah, I remember. We brought back the black jerseys. That's always a controversial topic. Even more controversial is what the Mets did during the trade deadline. Did they make the right move getting Javi Baez? Do you like Javi Baez? Should they have gone for pitching instead? Will Javi Baez fit in with the Mets? Did you feel the trade was made for Francisco Lindor's purposes? And Jacob DeGrom. What's up with Jacob DeGrom? Are you concerned? If you listen to this podcast, I was telling you guys weeks ago, it worries me that he's throwing so hard and every other start he's coming down with an ailment. Sooner or later, that catches up to you. Then I wake up this morning to find out the news about Brandon Nimmo. Is he going to be out with a hamstring injury? Has anyone heard anything? We're waiting patiently to find out. Yes, just another med day in paradise. But guess what? They did play ball in God's country at Flushing by the Bay yesterday. The Mets took on the Cincinnati Reds. Reds are always a, quite the entertaining team. I love to watch them. They're great offensively. And they've got a, quite a cast of characters on that team. So it's always fun to watch the Reds. But it's not fun to watch the Met Reds when they beat the Mets on Black Friday. It was supposed to be a blackout at City Field with the jerseys returning. But I think the offense didn't get the memo because the offense was blacked out yesterday. Yes, on a busy trade line day when the Mets landed Javier Baez from the Cubs. Oh, and I forgot to mention, we, Carlos Carrasco made his debut. And the Mets brought back their black jerseys and then shut down Jacob DeGrom with injury setback. The team that delivered, the bats delivered the ultimate buzzkill in a 6-2 loss to the Reds. The Mets, now 54-48, fell to 7-8 since the All-Star break. And we're left hoping that Baez's arrival on Saturday can provide a short shot in the arm for the MLB's third-worst offense, which had been playing better of late. Well, I don't know if Michael Conforto agrees with that. He hasn't been contributing much, but what are you going to do? The bats went silent last night. They got a lot of good swings. They got jammed a lot. Uh, it was a combination of good pitching and Mets just not getting breaks. But the bottom line is they're just not hitting. And uh, they really, like I said, they were there were a couple of good swings, but in general, they weren't good swings at all. I take that back. The Mets weren't really swinging the bat well at all yesterday. And like I said, Brandon Nimmo, who I think is the MVP of that offense, we're going to have to worry about how his injury status is. And I was wondering why they were playing to pinch hit for Nimmo in the ninth inning. Uh, the game had not ended before his spot came up because he's so good against left-handers. But... Now I think we kind of know what happened there, don't we? Uh, it was a preventive measure because Nimmo just wasn't feeling himself, I guess. So it's going to be a crazy weekend as everything settles in. And we'll see where the dust settles here. Uh, and Nimmo hurt himself making a diving catch earlier in the game. And that's how they say that injury resulted. But the Mets could have broke this game wide open in the first inning if you were watching. They, it was theirs for the taking. They had the bases loaded, a no-out situation against Sonny Gray. Yes, the Yankees' favorite pitcher, Sonny Gray. And they couldn't do a damn thing. They only mustered seven base runners the rest of the way after letting, leaving the Reds off the hook early. Now, the Reds are 55-49. and 49. They were all over Gray. 
They knew what he was going to be throwing. They just couldn't get the job done. And again, Michael Conforto was one of the main culprits, striking out with the first crack at the bases loaded chance before Jonathan Roy grounded into an inning any double play. And just like that, the potential magic disappeared. And Conforto heard it from the crowd. I think the crowd is getting a little restless. Uh, he was booed throughout the night while going 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, and his batting average is now down to 199. I don't care how weak an outfielder you are, you can't be batting 199 and being an outfielder. Now, Carrasco turned in a strong outing despite allowing a home run on the first pitch he threw in a Mets uniform when Jonathan India took him deep to lead off the game. He threw 58 pitches over four innings, giving up one run on three hits and one walk while striking out four. Uh, it was a very encouraging outing. Uh, it was Carrasco's first since being acquired by the Mets. Uh, but then it, it, we waited this long because he tore his hamstring in spring training. It was even more important after news that the Grom would be shut down for two weeks and unlikely to return until September. Remember that song? See you in September. Well, we're going to hope we see Jacob in September. Uh, Carrasco said he felt good. Uh, besides the first pitch of the game when he gave the gopher ball, uh, he did look good. And he left with the score tied 1-1, but Miguel Castro gave the lead right back to the Reds in the fifth. Now, Miguel, I love his stuff. I just think he has to have the mental discipline to zone in and get the job done and stop throwing meatballs on occasion when he allowed a two-out double by India and an RBI single by Jesse Winker. Joey Votto kept up his home run streak seven straight games now. And he, he went already off of Drew Smith in the sixth, and that put the Reds up 3-1. to one. Uh, Gray in the Reds' bullpen, meanwhile, retired 15 straight batters into the eighth inning when the Mets finally threatened. They had runners on first and second with one out, but Michael Gibbons escaped by getting Jeff McNeil to pop out and Pete Alonso to ground out to end the inning. The Reds piled on with three runs in the top of the ninth, including India's second home run of the night. A two-run shot off Anthony Brandoff with a 6-1 lead, and that was all she wrote. And the Mets did manage to scratch a run in the bottom of the ninth, but with two more runners on to end the night the way they started it. Now, we all know that we got Javi Baez, but with all this pitching situation going on with the Mets, I thought they might have amped up a little bit. And as far as getting pitchers are concerned, uh, all they did was get Trevor Williams in the uh, deal. Now, the Mets were supposedly looking at Trevor uh, Williams last year during the winter. Now, he has a potential, he's good, solid upside. I mean, right now he's struggling, but he did have a couple good years a few years back. And he signed a one-year deal with the Cubs for $2.5 million this year. So he'll be there for two months the rest of the season, and we'll see what happens after that. Uh, he's 29, and we'll see if he can help him. He went 4-2 and two with a 5.06 ERA and a 1.53 whip in 13 appearances for the Cubs, but then was assigned, and the Mets assigned him to AAA Syracuse. So you know he may be taking that shuttle back and forth the way things are going for the Mets. You hope not to see that, but I think that's why they got him. Uh, he'll give him the innings. Uh, he's, he's a battler, uh, and we'll just see what happens. Uh, Zach Scott told him to be prepared given the number of alarming injuries and the Mets have sustained with rotation this season. Uh, so you never know. And it just ask Rich Hill to got him from the Rays. I did like that trade. Rich Hill is a battler and he'll be pitching tonight against the Reds. So it's a good chance for both of them to prove their worth. As I met, and hopefully, hopefully they'll get a jump start and adrenaline flow for the last two months of the year. 
That's even if Williams does come up. But right now, the rotation kind of looks like this. Carrasco, Stroman, Taiwan Walker, McGill, and Hill. And uh, right now, McGill's the ace of the staff. You go by his performance in July. And uh, Williams provides another option. We just come keep putting Jared Eichhoff out there now, could we? Uh, like I said, with the Grom out till September, we're going to have to make do with what we got. These guys are all, all five are capable starting pitchers, just not the Grom. So <clears throat> if they can pitch up to their capabilities and Baez may be igniting the offense, things may not be that bad after all. As I was talking about Williams in 2018, he was not too bad. He went 14-10 and 10 with 3.11 ERA and 31 starts. So it hasn't been that long since he's been good. Now, if you're going to the game tonight, and I'm going, uh, the franchise will induct Ron Dong, John Matlock, and Edgar Alfonso into the Hall of Fame during a pregame ceremony Saturday. The three new additions, and it's been a while. I think this should be a yearly tradition. We induct one player. Uh, but they haven't done this since 2013, and now the total Met membership in the Mets Hall of Fame will be 30. So it's going to be an exciting night to see those guys get in. I think long overdue. Especially for Matlack and uh, Darling and Alfonso. Why wait this long? Why wait? The, the minimum anyone's wait. Alfonso's been like almost 20 years now. Now the three new additions. Uh, they were supposed to be added in 2020. But that was ceremony was canceled due to the pandemic. Now in a foster roster moves. Pitchers Akeem Bostic and Nick Tropiano were designated for assignment. And Sean Reed Foley was transferred to the 60 day injured list. Eikhoff and Raul Meneras were signed outright to Triple A Syracuse. Now get this, the Mets have now used 56 players through 101 games this year, tying a franchise record for most players using the season. The MLB record for most players using the season is 67 by the Mariners in 2019. And that party is continuing for the Mariners because they entered Friday with these seven players used, even more than the Mets, one more than the Mets. So... You think the Mets have it bad. Mariners are right up there with us as far as you don't know who's going to be showing up at the ballpark on a given day. <clears throat> but what has been showing up at the ballpark on every day is Pete Alonso's home run horse. And what do you guys think about that? I like it. I think it brings big clubhouse camaraderie. And it's just having fun. It brings the team together. That's the thing about Alonso. Some of the things you may, he does may question him, but he does it in the spirit of the team. And this is another one of those things. And, uh, hey, it actually helped out with Alonzo's power. If whatever works, right? Uh, it was actually the hitting coach, Hugh Quarlebaum, who came up with the idea of the home run horse. And he surprised his players by perching at the end of the dugout before last Friday's game. And the rest is home run horse history. Uh, so it's good. We'll look back this year if we succeed as the year of the home run horse if things go well. What we want to see going well is Brandon Nimmo and his hamstring pinch. Still waiting word on that. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Like I said, Rojas revealed that Nimmo felt the pinch in the left half string after making a diving catch on uh, Aristides Aquino's fly ball uh, in the top of the frame. And that prompted the Mets to lift Nimmo for pinch hitter Kevin Pilar, who would have been the tying run. If James began had reached base rather than striking out against St. John's former basketball player Amir Garrett in the contest. What do you think? We're going to see Amir Garrett against uh, Javi Baez today? Uh, so we just have to see. We have to see what Nemo. But like I said, I think Nemo is a spark plug to this club. When he goes, the offense goes. 
He owns a 298 batting average, 427 on base percentage, and a 411 uh, slugging percentage in 45 games. So he is really, really doing it all. Uh, he's basically an all-star. And the unfortunate thing is he missed more than two months when injured left hand. And given the Mets' recent struggles, they have to hope this condition appears as really, really small. If not, we could be in trouble. Uh, so despite getting by as if we lose to Grom and Nimmo for an extended period of time, that may not be the answer. We shall see. What want, what we want to have is one of the answers is Javi Baez. Now, a lot of people were questioning the moves that the Mets made yesterday. Uh, it was crazy. You're celebrating, then you're disgruntled, you're happy. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, they did pull off one of the most compelling trades of the deadline, landing dynamic Javier Baez. He is exciting. He's a spark plug. And if he can jumpstart Linder, and uh, we could have one hell of a middle of the lineup defense, middle of the uh, field defense, uh, with those two at second and short. Now, I know Baez is a shortstop. I'm sure he can handle second base well. Uh, and we got to be happy for that trade, and I'm happy for it. I know Crow Armstrong's the number one draft pick, highly regarded. But the three guys I didn't want to see him give up are Mauricio, Beatty, and Alvarez. I don't know how you guys felt. I think Armstrong being hurt this year, he's still at least three, four years away. So we can't worry about that. Baez can help us for the next three, four years. That's if he signs with us. Uh, and I think he will. I think he wants to fit in with uh, Lindor and everything. But I think getting Baez may be the bye-bye for Conforto in that regard because uh, you figure they'll put McNeil on left or right or whatever, and Conforto's going to be a little bit expendable, but that's for it down the line. We can talk about that in the end of the season. Uh, it's unfortunate. I think the Mets weren't were going to be held hostage like uh, Toronto was, giving up two price prospects for Barrios. I think that was a little bit crazy. I think Toronto actually made out better in that deal. Uh, but we shall see. And Max Scherzer would have been a rental, and you have to probably give up a lot for him. And uh, there was no way they were going to get a <clears throat> Trey Turner involved in that deal when not with when Dora locked up at shortstop. So it just didn't work out where a trade could be worked out. But what are you going to do? It was crazy. It was a dramatic day. I was watching MLB Network all afternoon. And around, what was that, 2.30 or whatever, they broke the Baez story. I saw that's it. That's going to be the missing piece for the Mets. It's how they do or die. Uh... What we don't want to see is our season die because of Jacob DeGrom, and it really is unsettling at this point. And like I said, I wasn't happy with Jacob throwing 100 miles an hour and then getting twinges and something else wrong somewhere on his body. And I kind of saw this coming, and now you have to be concerned about the long-term durability of DeGrom because once these injuries become nagging, they start reoccurring. But the MRI keeps saying that there's no structural damage, so maybe it's just rest and he could be fine. But the Mets are hoping now. Now they expect him to pitch the rest of the season, but they don't want to mess around with this. So this is going to be another Carlos Carrasco thing where they keep pushing it back and back and back. Uh, and the interesting thing is I'm hearing that in the trade with the Cubs, they had a choice between Zach Davies and Williams. Uh, and the Mets viewed them equally from a talent perspective. But they chose Williams because he had a minor league option remaining and can move between Syracuse and major leagues as needed. 
Uh, now, why did the Mets not pursue further pi further pitching? Uh, they just couldn't match the deals out there, especially for Barrios. So it's going to be interesting. We're just going to have to suck it up, sort of like the 2006 season, where as the season progressed, <clears throat> we kept losing starting pitchers and needed Oliver Perez to pitch Game 7 against the Cardinals. Hope it doesn't come to that. Maybe all these guys are healthy by September. And that would be a dream scenario. Wouldn't all these guys are healthy and we're cruising? Be nice to see Thor back too. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Don't give up the ship. And hopefully the pitching keeps going on. Now, like I said, when I opened up this podcast, did the trade for Javi Baez, was that something that when it was done to not only help the Mets, but help Francisco Lindor? Because He's good buddies, and I don't know if you watched MLB Network yesterday during the trade deadline, but Zach Scott, while uh, Lindor was actually out in the infield, went out to talk to Lindor, and I'm sure he was talking about the Baez trade. So it looks like Lindor's, they're almost looking like Lindor to be the leader of this team. Uh, I would say Lindor and Alonzo. The Grom's kind of laid back. Uh, Conforto's the elder statesman, but I don't even know if he's going to be back ne next year, and I really don't know. Uh but we'll see. Uh, hopefully, they made this trade with the intentions of having Baez long-term, because otherwise I would hate to see them give up Armstrong just for a rental player. But we shall see. Now, Baez is hitting two forty-eight. He's got power. 22 home runs, 13 stolen bases, and 65 RBIs in 91 games with the Cubbies. And uh, he is uh, just... He does everything well, and it's all the little things, too, he does in the field. He runs the bases, and uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I think McNeil's going to be our third baseman. Uh, I mentioned he could play left field. They'll leave Dom out in left field, Conforto and right, and we'll see what happens comes ne next year. But we got to get through this year, don't we, folks? Uh, but it was nice. I was happy with the Baez trade. I'm not sure how you guys felt, but we shall see. We Shall see. Did you want Chris Bryant? I really didn't. And the reason I didn't was I didn't know how much more he could add to the team, the dynamic. Uh, like I said, J.D. Davis, if you're just looking on hitting, he's going to play third base if Bryant came. J.D. Davis was matching his numbers offensively, maybe not defensively. But you could also have uh, J.D. Davis, you know, as your uh, third baseman, so no complaints here. Okay, that concludes our daily wrap-up. Now, how about we delve right into our Jeopardy and Trivia question of the day. What do you say? Hey, 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 what do you say? We're the monkeys. No, we're the Trivia and Jeopardy people. Okay, here is today's trivia question. Who's ready? Who is ready? Uh, do I see a raise of hands yet? Okay, today's trivia question is, who was the opponent when the Mets set the team record with 23 runs scored in a single game on August 16th, 1987? Now, today's Mets Jeopardy question. Two clues. On 1994, became a free agent and signed with the New York Mets he would spend the 1995 and 1996 seasons entirely in the minor leagues with the Texas Rangers and Mets respectively he wore number three as a Met so those are your two 
questions of the day. Trivia question is, who was the opponent when the Mets set the team record with 23 runs scored in a single game on August 16th, 1987? And the Jeopardy is, on, in 1994, became a free agent signed with the New York Mets. He would spend the 95-96 seasons entirely in the minor leagues with the Texas Rangers and Mets, respectively. Any award number three is a Met. All right, it's tell it time to celebrate some Met birthdays. Who's ready? We have two birthdays today. The first one is Billy Wynn. Who remembers Billy Wynn? You do? Yeah, he pitched for us in 1967. Pitched six games, eight and two-thirds innings. And uh, he had the, the, the uh, distinction of wearing two jerseys, two, two jersey numbers in one season, 38 and 35. He had no record, and he had a 3.12 ERA. Yes, yes, Billy Wynn. And had the Mets get Billy Wynn, he was traded by the Mets. Oh, the Mets actually traded him to the Chicago White Sox with Tommy Davis, Jack Fisher, and Buddy Booker in exchange for... Big parts of the 69 Mets, Tommy Agee and Al Weiss. How about that? Good trivia question there for you guys. And happy birthday, Ray Renee Rivera. We signed him as a free agent in 2008. And he was with us a long time in the minor league system. And finally in 2016-17, he was the backup catcher. All told, played 130 games in four years with the Mets. Most of them coming in 16 and 17, where he's been 121 games. Had a big game where he had two home runs against San Francisco in 2017. Happy birthday, Renee Rivera. And of course, today being July 31st, there were a lot of transactions this day in Met history. Let's go through some of them. On July 31st, 1989, the Toronto Blue Jays claimed Lee Mazzilli off of waivers on the Met from the Mets. The state in 89 also, the Mets traded Rick Aguilera, Dave West, Kevin Tampany, Tim Drummond, and Jack Savage to the Minnesota Twins for Frank Viola. That one was huge. That one was huge. I remember, I, who was it they were thinking about getting from Yeah, I can't remember the guy's name. Anyway, he was a big pitcher at the time, but then kind of faltered at going on. I can't remember. If I can remember, I'll throw it back at you. This date in 95, the Mets traded Brett Saberhagen and David Swanson to the Rockies for Juan Acevedo and Arnold Gooch. This date in 98, the Mets traded Bernard Gilkey and Nelson getting figgy-witted Figueroa to the Diamondbacks for Orge Fabregas and Willie Blair. This date in 1998, the Mets traded Bill Pulsifer, Generation K, remember Generation K, to the Milwaukee Brewers for Mike Kincaid. On this date in 1998, the Mets traded Leo Estrella. To the Toronto Blue Jays for Tony Phillips. Tony played with everybody, but how many how many remember you and him as a Met? On uh, this date, the Mets traded Craig Paquette for Sean Dunstan. Who remembers that Sean Dunstan was a Met? And that happened in 1999. Also on this date in 1999, the Mets traded Brian McCray, Rico Beltran, and Tom Johnson to the Rockies for Daryl Hamilton and Chuck McElroy. Hamilton was a good clubhouse presence with the Mets when he was there. The state, the Mets traded another Generation Day K guy in 1999, Jason Ingrihausen, along with Greg McMichael, to the Oakland A's for Billy Taylor. Also on this date, the Mets traded Bobby Jones, Jason Bay, and Josh Reynolds to the Padres for Jason Middlebrook and Steve Reed. And that was on 2002, July 31st. On this date in 2002, also the Mets traded Jay Payton, Mark Corey, and Robert Stratton to the Rockies for John Thompson and Mark Little. 
This day in 2004, the Mets traded Scott Erickson. Who remembers Scott Erickson as a Met? To the Texas Rangers for Jeff Hofpera. This day in 2006, the Mets traded fan favorite Xavier Nady to the Pirates for Oliver Perez. We were just talking about Oliver before. And Roberto Hernandez. This day in 2015, the big one, the one that propelled us to the World Series, Luis Sessa and Michael Fulmer for Yolanis Cespedes. Also on this day in 2015, the Mets traded Addison, 2017 I should say, the Mets traded Addison Reed to the Red Sox for Jamie Callahan, Gerson Bautista, and Steven Nagosik. I liked Addison Reed. He was a good pitcher while he was with us. In this day in 2018, the Mets claimed Jack Reinheimer on waivers from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now let's talk about what's going on in the group. New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. If you're not a member of the group, we're on Facebook. So if you listen to this podcast but don't are unaware of it, please join the group. Great discussion every day with the members. And if you listen to this podcast, please subscribe. We'd love to have subscribers. You'll be ordered every time a new one is uh, uploaded by your provider. And if you want to reach out to me, I'm at philstan41 at gmail.com. And I want to thank you for all your responses so far. Greatly appreciated. Now what's going on in the group? We threw some facts around the last few days. Uh, we said since 2018, Michael Graforo has 23 assists, ninth in the MLB, and third in the National League among outfielders. Uh... And the bad news about Michael Conforto is he's four in his last 34 plate appearances, a span of 10-plus games since July 20th. He needs to break out of it. A little bit of sad news, Buddy Harrelson uh, is not doing well. He has Alzheimer's. Uh, I posted a picture in the group. He's smiling face. It's tough to see uh, Buddy suffering like that. Him and Seaver were such good friends, and it's so sad to see both of them suffer the way I have the last few years. How about Carlos Carrasco's final line after his Mets debut? Four innings pitched, three hits, one earned run, one walk, four Ks, one homer, uh, 58 pitches, 35 strikes, 2.25 ERA. How about Matt Harvey? We digress. Once a Met, always a Met, so we'll talk about former Mets when they're doing well. And Matt Harvey's scoreless streak has reached 18 and a third innings as the Orioles beat the Tigers again. He's really turned it around, and that's good to see. I like to see old Mets do well. And then what else? Don Lobb came in and said, sorry, I don't need to see more blue and orange or Mets pinstripes. I need to see more blue and orange or Mets pinstripes. Don't like the black jerseys at all. And I'm not a big fan either, but I understand why they do it. A lot of the younger folks grew up with the 2000-era Mets, and it brings back good memories. Like I said, we never won a World Series with those uniforms. And Thorne Scott said, I hate playing in a black uniform on a hot summer day. You'd be roasting. And Craig Prager says, well, that's why they're playing at night. The reason is why the home team in the NFL makes the choice of which color to wear. Dorn said, that makes sense. Craig Prager says, watch teams that have black unis when they are on the road in a 90-degree-plus weather. Some play by a guy will mention temperature and spat off the NFL uniform choice by the home team and the advantage they will be wearing, the home whites. So, I think it's a fad. It's going to come and go. Let's not get uptight about it. Fans like it, and also I guess they sell jerseys that way, too. Well, that's some of the things we were talking about. Oh, and I mentioned uh, last night that among the Mets position leaders in war, Javi Baez, if he was with the Mets all year, would have the highest at 2.0. And Nimmo, 1.8. Lindor, 1.8. And Alfonso, 1.4. 
I mentioned that Nimmo's bang 348 with three extra base hits and a 464 OBP against left-handed pitchers this year. That's amazing. And that's the highest in baseball for anyone who's got at least 50 at-bats. And I, like I said before, the Mets have now used 57 players. Oh, my goodness. Well, those are some of the things we were talking about. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, that's going to kind of wrap things up for today. So I want to thank all you great guys again for listening. It means a lot to me. Really appreciate your support. And we'll be back again tomorrow. Don't forget tonight's 710 start. Met Hall of Fame induction day. We got Johnny Matlack going in. Edgar, Edgar Alfonso and Ronnie D. Ronnie D is going to be uh, inducted, I think, by Keith and Gary, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're also honoring Al Jackson for his achievements as a Met and the organization. And uh, going for the Reds is a tough, tough pitcher, Wade Miley. There was some speculation he might have been traded, but they kept him. He's 8 and 4 at 2.86. I won't be seeing the crafty Rich Hill pitch for us at 6 and 4, 3.95 ERA. Should be a fun one. Should be a good one. I'll be there to give you my perspective. So I'll be at the game tonight. Hopefully I can uh, give you some insight of what happened at the stadium. If not, we'll just talk about the game in general. And uh, as always, tune in tomorrow. We'll be back with hopefully a happy Met recap. Take care, everyone. Have a great day. Enjoy the beautiful weather. And let's go Mets.